Hey, filled with messages, friends. Thank you for joining me today. If you don't know me, my name is Ruth Farrell, and amongst other things, I'm the lead pastor of St. Peter United Church of Christ in Lake Zurich, Illinois. I suspect by now you've heard the story of Michael Packard, a 56-year-old from Massachusetts, who found himself in quite the predicament recently. Diving for lobsters off the coast of Provincetown, Mr. Packard suddenly felt a huge shove before everything went completely black. With dread, he realized he was inside the mouth of a whale. I could sense I was moving and I could feel the whale squeezing with the muscles in his mouth, said Mr. Packard. He was sure he was going to die, but then he, quote unquote, saw light felt the whale thrashing his head from side to side, and was suddenly barfed out of the humpback. Whale specialists defended the leviathan, testifying that they are normally docile creatures and that eating Mr. Packard must have been an accident or mistake. A marine biologist told Global News, the whale does not want a human dessert. It just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Pretty sure Mr. Packard felt the same. Mr. Packard's excellent adventure has captured the hearts and minds of many Americans, including Stephen Colbert, who highlighted it in a Meanwhile segment recently, saying, It reminds me of the famous Bible story, Michael Packard, the commercial lobster diver, and the whale. Continuing, Mr. Colbert reasoned, the fact that he tasted bad saved his life. That's why I never go swimming without my cilantro shorts. But now that the ordeal is over, Mr. Packard has only one request, that Matt Damon play him in the movie. If you were making a movie of the original version of the world's most famous whale tale, the story of Jonah and the big fish, of course, who would you choose to play Jonah? Matt Damon? Matt's good buddy Ben Affleck? If nothing else, the story of Jonah is an excellent story. As you listen along, perhaps close your eyes and allow the story to come alive in your imagination. I'm just going to read chapter one today, but if you have some time, go read the whole of this book at some point. It's short and it's an excellent read. Hear these words from Jonah chapter one. The Lord's word came to Jonah, Amittai's son. Get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their evil has come to my attention. So Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship headed towards Tarshish. He paid the fare and went aboard to go with them to Tarshish, away from the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, so that there was a great storm on the sea. The ship looked like it might be broken to pieces. The sailors were terrified, and each one cried out to his God. They hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to make it lighter. Now Jonah had gone down into the hold of the vessel to lie down and was in deep sleep. The ship's officer came and said to him, How can you possibly be sleeping so deeply? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps the God will give you some thought to us so that we won't perish. Meanwhile, the sailors said to each other, Come on, let's cast lots so that we might learn who is to blame for this evil that's happening to us. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they said to him, 
tell us, since you're the cause of this evil happening to us, what did you do and where do you come from? What's your country and of what people are you? He said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were terrified. And they said to him, what have you done? The men knew that Jonah was fleeing from the Lord because he had told them. They said to him, what will we do about you so the sea will become calm around us? The sea was continuing to rage. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm around you. I know it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. The men rowed to reach dry land, but they couldn't manage it because the sea continued to rage against them. So they called on the Lord saying, Please, Lord, don't let us perish on account of this man's life and don't blame us for innocent blood. You are the Lord. Whatever you want, you can do. Then they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased its raging. The men worshiped the Lord with a profound reverence. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made solemn promises. Meanwhile, the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds and bodies to hear you speaking to us through Jonah's story. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your eyes, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As you may remember, this June, we're looking at some of the beach scenes in the Bible. A few weeks ago, we looked at a text from John's gospel in which Jesus serves breakfast on a beach to some of his closest friends and reminds them that life can only be lived forwards. But what happens when we hear God calling us to new adventures and we think God is wrong or God's direction seems ridiculous? What are we supposed to do then? This is the predicament in which Jonah found himself. Jonah was a prophet, so we can be relatively safely assume he was used to hearing from God. But when God said to Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their evil has come to my attention, Jonah thought, you've got to be kidding me. Actually, Jonah did more than just think God couldn't be serious. Jonah thought God was completely wrong. He was so confused, angry, afraid at God that he fled from the Lord. He went down to Joppa, which is the south side of modern-day Tel Aviv. Joppa was the gateway to the west. A boat out of the port would take him as far away from Nineveh and God as one could get. Oftentimes people shame Jonah for not wanting to bring God's word to the people of Nineveh. Didn't he want to do God's work? Wasn't he interested in helping God bring an end to injustice and evil? But perhaps we judge Jonah too quickly. The Ninevites were particularly aggressive towards Judeans. They were proud of killing Hebrews. 
If you go to the British Museum in London, you can see life-size depictions of what the Ninevites did to the Israelites. They impaled them on sticks. They cut off the Israelites' heads and made stacks of them. The Ninevites were a people of whom Jonah had every right to be scared. Who knows what they would do to him if he announced their evil? He was right to be angry at them as well. They hurt Jonah's people, and now God had wanted him to go and try to help them? Jonah also had a right to be angry with God. Why was God interested in these people who had caused the Israelites so much pain? Why wasn't God treating them as they deserved? No wonder Jonah sailed off into the sunset. At sea, a terrible storm blew over the ship. The wind was so great, the ship looked like it might be broken to pieces. The sailors were rightly terrified. They didn't have meteorologists or oceanographers to explain the storms or help them know how to best navigate them. So they made the only conclusion they could. The gods must be angry. Frantically, they began to try to figure out which god was angry with them. When they realized it was Jonah's god, the sailors did something absolutely incredible. Instead of pitching him into the sea as Jonah instructed them, the men rowed to reach dry land, but they couldn't manage it because the sea continued to rage against them. The men tried to save Jonah, even though they now believed, rightly so, he was the cause of their near-death experience. But eventually they had no choice. Crying out to the Lord, they begged, please don't let us perish on account of this man's life and don't blame us for innocent blood. As soon as they hurled Jonah into the sea, the storm stopped raging. Meanwhile, not an ode to Stephen Colbert, it's just what the text says. Meanwhile, God provided a big fish to swallow Jonah. When we read Jonah's prayer from the fish's belly, it sort of sounds like Mr. Packard's experience. Jonah was terrified. He was pretty sure he was going to die. How do you think God felt watching Jonah refuse to listen, literally run away, be thrown into a stormy sea, sit in the stinky stomach of a whale for three days and nights? We have a tendency to think God was angry at Jonah because the sailors interpret the stormy sea as the punishment of an angry God. But the text doesn't indicate that at all. God is never described as angry at Jonah. And God never behaves angrily towards him. The storm is simply God's way of getting Jonah's headed in the right correct direction, living life forwards. Perhaps God was hurt because Jonah didn't trust him. Maybe God was frustrated with Jonah for putting all the sailors in danger through his choice. Maybe God was disappointed that Jonah didn't understand God cared deeply about what happened to the Hebrew people and to all people. Even though God was hurt as he watched Jonah run away from him, God stuck by Jonah. 
God could have moved on from Jonah and looked for another prophet to do his work. God could have ignored Jonah's prayers from the belly of the whale because Jonah ignored God's call to go to Nineveh. But instead, God was with Jonah as he ran to Joppa. God was with Jonah as the sailors threw him into the stormy sea. God was with Jonah when he sent a whale to swallow Jonah up. God was with Jonah when Jonah prayed in the fish's belly. God is with us no matter what, even when we're being really stubborn, struggling to trust God, running in the opposite direction of God. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. End of Act 1. Some time passes before God again calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. This time, Jonah actually packs up and heads on over to the massive city, but there are hints in the text that he's not exactly happy about it. Upon arrival, Jonah began to prophesy, and the most shocking thing in this whole story happens. The people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and put on mourning clothes from the greatest of them to the least significant. While a big fish swallowing a human might capture our attention, the Ninevites' repentance would have been much more shocking to the original audience of this book. God saw what the Ninevites were doing, that they had ceased their evil behavior, so God stopped planning to destroy them. And he didn't do it. Jonah was relieved. Uh, No, that wasn't it. Jonah was overjoyed. Uh, No, that wasn't it either. Jonah was, let me think of a way to say this politely. He was unbelievably angry at God. He thought God's mercy was utterly ridiculous and wrong. And he told God just how wrong he thought God was. Come on, Lord. Wasn't this precisely my point? I know that you are a merciful and compassionate God, very patient, full of love and willing not to destroy. At this point, Lord, you may as well take my life from me because it would be better for me to die than to live. Think about what Jonah is saying here. Jonah lists the most beautiful things about God. He testifies to God's mercy, compassion, patience, love, and desire for people to live and flourish. Yet those are also the very things that tick Jonah off the most. It's like he wants it both ways. He wants God to be all these good things to him. And yet Jonah expects God to be vengeful and wrathful towards the Ninevites. God had every right to tell Jonah off. How dare Jonah want love, compassion, mercy, patience for himself, yet not be willing to let God express these things to other people. But instead, God simply asked Jonah a question. Is your anger a good thing? As Jonah continued to pout about God's mercy for Nineveh, God took care of Jonah. Eventually again, God simply asked him, Is your anger a good thing? This time Jonah replied, Yes, my anger is good, even to the point of death. 
Jonah is so stubborn that he would rather die than rejoice in God's goodness and mercy towards the Ninevites and towards himself. God's love for Jonah and the Ninevites is extraordinary. Even though they quote-unquote don't deserve it, they receive God's mercy, compassion, patience, and care. The Ninevites heard God's call to change their ways. They changed their ways, and they received God's love. Jonah refused to hear God's call, changed his ways but not his heart, and he also received God's love. God calls us to live life forwards. Sometimes when God calls us to new adventures, we will not understand. Sometimes we will be sure God is wrong or that the adventure will end in disaster. Sometimes we will run in the opposite direction to get away from God. Sometimes we will join God on the journey, but we will not be happy about it. The good news is that God will always go with us. God will always listen to us, even when we're pouting and being selfish. And as God goes with us, he leads us with his love that is beyond our wildest imaginations. God's love can cause a storm to land us in the belly of a whale, where we can learn to give thanks to God for all the ways he cares for us. God's love can believe that sending a grumpy prophet to a people who are murderous would cause them to change their evil ways. God's love will ask us questions rather than shouting at us and will be with us even when we'd rather die than extend grace and mercy ourselves. May God's faithfulness and love to us and to all help us to follow him living life forwards. Thanks for joining me today, friends. I want to give thanks for Roger Nam's commentary on Jonah 1 and 3, which were informative for today's message. As you go from here, may you follow God forward, even when God's direction seems crazy, because we know that God leads us with faithfulness and with love. Grace and peace to you, my friends. Bye-bye.